When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York Sports Radio fans know him, the great Alan White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. You're on Wednesday, January 15th or May to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough... Leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air that next week, again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, LSU completes the perfect season. Four teams will battle it out to play in Super Bowl 54, and the MLB finally makes its decision about the cheating Houston Astros. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. We have ourselves a national champion in college football, a crown king, one of the best team seasons that we've ever seen, one of the best individual seasons we've ever seen. We're doing this show saddened a little bit. Me as a Clemson believer, you as a diehard Ravens fan. So we're a little sad, and we'll get into those reasons. Tons to talk about this show. College football national championship, the NFL playoff recap, heading into the championship weekend for that. And we got some baseball news. Some ugly I, baseball news. I think we're a little happy about, but we'll get into that as well. But we have to start, of course, with the national championship in college football, pushing our show back one day. I'm sure everybody was distraught that the show didn't come out on time, but figured we'd wait to have some thoughts on what LSU was able to do to Clemson in winning the national championship, finishing off a 15-0 season really in the second half, pulling away and letting everybody know that to them this game was never in doubt. While it was close at times, while Clemson was the first team this season to get a double-digit lead against LSU, they immediately answered. When they pulled within three in the second half, they immediately answered. Every big play that needed to be made on the LSU side, they seemingly made on both sides of the ball and every break that Clemson needed to go its way seemingly did not, in a position where you shouldn't necessarily need to have breaks go your way. If you're the better team, that sort of stuff will just work its way out. For LSU, it was a dream season, a dream scenario, and one of the greatest performances we'll see from start to finish as they ride to the national championship with Joe Burrow as the king of Louisiana and New Orleans last night. Quite the win for those Tigers. I am absolutely enamored with the entire LSU season. From pillar to post, from opening up against Texas, Joe B's second year with the new co-offensive coordinator, talent abounds at the wide receiver positions, the little running back, athletic on defense, a much more light defense mid-season when they were banged up. I can honestly say, young man, and you are young, and I am old. Folks, we know the name of the show. New report, old report. The best college football team I ever saw, no, it wasn't the 2001 Miami, a University of Miami Hurricanes. The best college football team I ever laid eyes on 
was the 1972 USC Trojan undefeated national championship team, which featured, for those who remember Randall Cunningham, his older brother, Sam Bam Cunningham, who scored four touchdowns against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Anthony Davis, the electric tailback, the great Hall of Famer, Lynn Swan, a track star on the other side with the name of Edessel Garrison, an All-American and Rookie of the Year and All-Pro tight end, probably the best, one of the best college tight ends I ever saw, Charles Young. Former athletic director, road scholar, Los Angeles Rams, Pat Hayden at quarterback. Uh, but Pat Hayden was the backup quarterback on that year's team. And the coach's son, J.K. McKay, was the backup wide receiver because Mike Ray, who played in the NFL for the Eagles, was the starting, and the uh, Raiders was the starting quarterback. And this team had a treasure trove on defense, defensive backs Charles Phillips, Artemis Parker, Marvin Cobb, Richard Batman Wood. Uh, they, were, they were loaded. They were the best team I ever saw. I don't know if they're better than this team or if this team's better than them or if this team's better than the Miami team of 2001. Some of the other great teams we've seen. What I will say is this. Never have I seen a team have a better season from beginning to end in terms of who they played, where they played them, how successful. We all talk about the SEC, best conference on the planet, nothing else even close. Well, they ran the gauntlet. They played... Seven teams in the top 10 when they played them. They played all four of the preseason top four teams. They beat everybody. And they beat them from pillar to post. That offense was literally, with the exception of the Auburn 23-20 game, just completely unstoppable. They went into Alabama, and Alabama had no answer for their offense. Up and down the field in Tuscaloosa. That was a two-score game the entire game. They complete a bomb, you know, with a minute to go, 80 yards, when it was a two-score game to make it look like it was close. It was not. Every time Alabama challenged, they answered and kept it a two-score game. They obliterate Georgia in the SEC title game. They extinguish Oklahoma in and just a show of unadulterated, just, I mean, the offense gets granted a much blind Oklahoma defense, but I mean, seven touchdown passes. Ridiculous. And then they go play a Clemson team, which many people thought were the best team in the country. A lot of people thought the Clemson-Ohio State game were the two best teams. Well, folks, let's, let's wake up and smell the coffee because they took a Clemson defense, a team that hadn't lost in two seasons, apart. After a first couple of possessions, which Clemson was playing eight defensive backs, once they adjusted to that, they were unstoppable. And Joe Burrow, once again, and to me, people try and make comparisons of Steve Young, you know, young Aaron Rodgers. Folks, for those of you who didn't watch Joe Montana in college, this is, Joe Mon this is a bigger version of Joe Montana at Notre Dame in terms of his recognition, in terms of his touch, in terms of his scrambling ability. Uh, without ever getting really waylaid, knowing when to get out of bounds, just beating an on-rushing linebacker uh, to the yard marker and stepping out of bounds without getting touched, knowing the angles, finding the open man, reading defenses. He was brilliant last night. Again, uh, got away with one bad throw early on. Wasn't really a bad throw. Route was jumped by a defensive back who uh, could have maybe taken an interception at the house. That was really the one throw that was in trouble for him all night. His receivers, he uses them just so expertly with the attitude, a swagger that says, my guys are, my guys are never covered. I'm throwing the ball to my guys, and, and I'm going to let them make a play. And he has the confidence in him, and his guys love him. They rave about him. You, know, you, have, you have wide receivers calling their quarterback the best player in the country. You don't see that very often. And... The camaraderie of this team with their coach at Argeron, the feeling between the coach and the players, and it was without a doubt the 
greatest single-season performance in terms of achievement, uh, in terms of what they were up against, who they played, where they played, how they played, that I've ever seen. And I thought last night, Clemson, uh, even though they got up to the early lead, the most impressive part about it was down 17-7, no panic, and then you go out and you outscore the defending national champs who haven't lost in two years, 35-8. to eight. To me, that says it all. It was a Hollywood ending, better than you could have even drawn it up when the season started. From, as you mentioned, just the awards that the team in general were able to get, but the teams that they beat and how they beat them and the scoring margin, it was like they'll have to make a movie about it, like Remember the Titans. Hey, you know, this, this was not the Big 12, folks. This is the you know, all-knowing, all-loving, all-seeing SEC, tough SEC, the best and toughest conference in the country. And these guys lit it up like a Roman candle all season long. And they got better. That's it. They just got better and better and better and better. Every time you thought, oh, well, over the letdown against you know, Texas, Texas, they obliterated Texas A&M. They then go to the SEC championship, they'll have like Georgia, you know, tough defense, Kirby Smart. Game's over before it started. As was the Oklahoma game. This game at least got off to a start. It looked like we were going to have a good game. And we had a pretty good game. But they took complete control of that game uh, at the end of the first half throughout the second half. Yes, they got back with a score, but then they answered again immediately. And that was literally all she wrote. Once they could get up again, two scores, that game was over. And credit to the LSU defense, which has been heavily criticized this year. Early on, they weren't that strong, gave up a ton of points and yards to Ole Miss, but they weren't healthy. Once they got healthy, they got rough. They kicked Georgia's ass. They kicked Texas A&M's ass. And last night, they kicked Clemson's ass. After some early success, they were all over the Adonis. Okay, Sunshine was getting pressured. He was clearly flustered. He did not throw the ball well. Travis Etienne, after an early start, did virtually nothing in the second half. And the Clemson wide receivers absorbed hits and looked like they did not want to be on the field. I thought they got out-toughed. I thought they got out-coached. I thought they got outplayed. And when you looked up at the scoreboard, that's exactly the way it was. It was both sides of the coin as far as the quarterback game was concerned. And we thought this might be a shootout. This would be Joe Burrow, the Heisman winner, going up against Trevor Lawrence, never lost in college, an incredible matchup. And when the game first started, they were feeling each other out, and you hoped you would get that. And Joe Burrow just reached another level that Trevor Lawrence wasn't able to come close to in this game. Joe Burrow finishing the year with 60 touchdown passes. Ridiculous. It's putting him in the category now of (laughs) Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, Joe Burrow, who had the best quarterback season in college football history. Incredible. And, and this is not this is not the David Klingler run and shoot, okay, with Houston of Benny Woods. That's four touchdown passes a game. And he goes into elite company as the winner of the Heisman Trophy and the national title in one season. And he will be undoubtedly the number one pick in the draft. And you know, I have tried to research, and I've not been able other than to go from memory as to the, the guys I can remember who pulled off that triple all in the same season. Obviously, Cam Newton did it. Heisman, national title, number one pick in the draft. Jameis Winston did it, but not in the same season. Jameis wins the Heisman Trophy and the national title, but the next year, his sophomore year, they lose and then he's the number one pick in the draft. With Mario the number two pick in the draft. O.J. Simpson, whom we all know and love, won the Heisman and the national title. Uh, excuse me, won the national title his junior year. Finished second in the Heisman. His senior year, he won the Heisman. They were undefeated in the Rose Bowl and, lo- and number one and lost to Iowa State. So they lost the national championship. And then he was the number one pick by the Bills. Ernie Davis. Syracuse's only Heisman Trophy winner. Syracuse's only national title team. Uh, the first black Heisman Trophy winner. 
he won the national title with the Orangemen in 1959. He won, excuse me, uh, and they won the, he won the Heisman in 61 and was the first pick in the draft by the Washington Redskins. So he didn't do it in the same year. So I'm trying and I'm struggling to come up with anybody else besides Cam Newton, who was the Heisman Trophy winner, national titleist, and first round or, uh, top pick in the draft, at least in the modern era, uh, since the merger. And there, now Billy Cannon of LSU may have been that. I believe Billy Cannon, the year they won the national title in 1959, the Chinese Bandits, that LSU team, won the Heisman, won the national title, and he was the first pick in the draft, but he went to the AFL. He was the first pick in the draft, I believe, by the Rams, but he'd go play for the Rams. So, you know, all, all you trivia buffs out there who can cross-reference this thing, because I was trying to figure out a way to do it, and I guess the only really way to do it is look at Heisman Trophy winners slash national titles and then cross-reference it with Heisman Trophy winners slash number one picks in the draft and see what matches. And I think there may have been a couple uh, from the 40s, possibly. Uh, but certainly the only two that did it all in the same year off the top of my head would be Cam Newton and what is going to be Joe Burrow. Just a fabulous season. By all accounts, a great kid. Um, remember, didn't play a lick at Ohio State. Redshirted at Ohio State one year, tra then transferred and played two years at LSU. So he is 23 years of age, older than Lamar Jackson. However, uh, certainly looks like a better throw than Lamar. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, no knock on Lamar. I right. love the way he throws them. I love the way he throws them. It's got a combination of touch. Uh, it, it obviously doesn't have the arm strength uh, of the uh, the California the uh, sun, uh, sunshine Trevor Lawrence, but I think he's got more than a, an adequate arm for the pros. Ball always gets there. It gets there on time. It gets there on breaks. He throws a beautiful deep ball, and he is an uncanny scrambler. He senses the pressure. Granted, the pressure is going to be different the next level. I understand that, uh, but. He's not afraid to stick his nose in. Quarterback draws last night twice, once for a touchdown. I called that one, by the way, on the third goal. Uh, I said, watch the quarterback draw, watch the quarterback draw. He overplayed to his right side. Boom, little hesitation, timed it perfect. Waltzes into the end zone. He, you hit it. This is, this is, a, this is a season that movies are made of. It's a, it's a storybook season. It's the only way to describe it. And you beat the team that had the quarterback that never lost, the team going for three national championships in four years, the team that had its own history to write on Monday night, but for most of the game, you just didn't get the feeling that it was going to happen. And, and it started right away. They force LSU to punt on their first drive. Exciting. But on offense, they get the ball, they punt to start the game in LSU territory and then do it again on their second drive. And they start their first drive with a trick play. And I'm saying it out loud, trick plays. <laughs> we're, we're running these, like, you know, end of the half, fourth quarter plays to try and get a leg up. Now, first play of the game, trick plays. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And the offense, while it took a 17-7 lead, while it was exciting to see what LSU would do down by double digits, Third downs, man. One third down conversion for the entire game. It, it's getting yep. to the point where yep. you can't run time off the clock, which it seemed like it was the longest game in college football history, by the way. Second quarter, it, like everybody's scored three times apiece, and you look at the clock, there's still like eight minutes left in the, in the second quarter. We're going to be here all night. They were getting so many first downs and drives, and nobody was running any time off the clock. And I thought after seeing... What happened on Sunday, which we'll get into when the Houston Texans go up 24-0 against the Chiefs, and you, you say aloud, keep going, keep going, because you know that the Chiefs are eventually going to come, and did they in a big way for more than 50 points total and taking the lead by the half, which is what LSU did as well. 
you got that feeling in this game where they punt twice to start, and you're like, you're doing okay. Were you surprised? With the defense. Were you surprised he punted? I was. I was because it happened both times, and I think if Dabo could go back. You know, it was almost like he expected his team to play a perfect game on both sides of the ball, and you can't fault him for that because they mostly have for years now. I think now if he could go back and see that Trevor Lawrence didn't necessarily have it, the offense didn't necessarily have it, that was something that you might have been able to take advantage of with that LSU defense, not maybe knowing what was going to be coming. Let's remember now, we like Trevor Lawrence a lot. We think he's going to be a terrific player at the next level. Absolutely. He's a very good, very good college quarterback. Everybody's picking for the Heisman last year. Everybody picked him for the Heisman this year, along with two. He was the number two guy behind two, I believe. But let's also look at it from this point of view. How well has he played against high-caliber competition? He played well last year in the national title game against Alabama. No doubt about it. But... We've seen that Alabama defense get lit up by Clemson numerous times now. And we saw him get lit up, lit up by Joe Burrow. This year, his only real big-time team that they played was Ohio State. And shockingly, he beat Ohio State with his legs. He did not throw the ball that well against Ohio State. They did not have too many big plays in the air with their wide receivers against Ohio State. He literally beat them after he got knocked around on that sack in the personal foul and came back with a long touchdown run and rushed for over 100 yards. And that was the key to the game was his running, not his throwing. And against this team, the best team they played all year, he literally looked like a mediocre quarterback. At best. At best, he was wild high all night. He looked flustered. And in terms of comparing the quarterback last night, it was literally like night and day. One quarterback was great and has been all season, and the other quarterback was average at best. Average at best. And came off a the perspective, perspective of throwing the football, an okay game against Ohio State. So against arguably the two best teams in the country, he was nothing remotely resembling good throwing the ball. He wasn't who he wanted to be either. Like, like that's not what we're used to seeing. And he said as much after the game, uh, he just picked the worst time of the year to play his worst football game. And it's going to be somewhat exciting if you're a Clemson fan or college football fan to see next season. It's going to be similar to easy opponents in the ACC. They do play Notre Dame, which will be exciting, but overall for the season, it'll be similar to this year where there's not going to be a ton of fireworks. And if they do lose, it's going to be a huge shock because I don't you think know, there the ACC is going to be There have been some be great dominant. college players who never got better True. in terms of college. And the one I cite is you know, Dan Marino's worst year was probably his senior year. Now, he was nicked up a lot, and there were other allegations or suspicions or whatever. Uh, and everybody knows what they are is my age. But his career peaked before his senior season. Now, that didn't preclude him from going on to be becoming you know, one of – you can argue where you want to put him, but certainly in my top 10 as one of the top 10 quarterbacks, greatest quarterbacks of all time, maybe we've seen the best Trevor Lawrence we're going to see at the collegiate level. It is possible because we're only going to see him one more year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll play the games. We'll find out as we were talking about before the show, Clemson fans as well unfortunately, then start having to fall into the trap during that LSU game of kind of reaching for the close plays. You know, if you're the best team during a game, that stuff sort of evens itself out. 
But when you have to cite the things that went wrong to give you, like, a good argument of why you should have won the game, like the first LSU touchdown might have looked like offensive pass interference. Edwards Alaire was out of bounds. They didn't review it. The targeting call on Skalski throws him out of the game. And then at the end, the offensive pass interference against T. Higgins, which was just an absolutely egregious call. I thought that call could have gone either way. Would have put Clemson within 10 with just under 11 minutes to go, which on paper you would take. You'd say, great, they have a shot. But in the game, there was no feel for that. While it would have brought them close, they would have been within striking distance, absolutely. How the game had gone up until that point in the fourth quarter, I I don't think there was any feel that the defense would be able to solve Joe Burrow and the offense would be able to then gain back those 10 points and win. So, What what really surprised me is the way I thought the physical aspect of the game changed. When they came out, Clemson looked to me like they were far more the aggressive team. They looked just as fast. They looked just as physical. They were flying around on both sides of the ball. Big plays, too, on offense, like chunk plays. LSU looked a little unsure of themselves. And then once LSU got their legs under them, the game was over. You know when the The turning point was for that? Like like I said, you went from 17 to 7 to 42 to 25. That's 35 to 8 by my math. It was third, third and 19 in the second quarter. Clemson's not getting the ball to start the third. They're at like the LSU 21 or something along those lines. Not much time left in the quarter. Pass interference on Clemson. Cleeps the drive alive. That's when you mentioned another huge quarterback run from Joe Burrow. They worked their timeouts fine. They, they called one, and then it didn't matter. They played the field perfectly. It leads to a touchdown. Clemson goes into the half. It was like they got punched in the mouth. That was, to me, probably the biggest turning point. That third and 19 where you could get momentum. they came three and out, get the first score, but there was no change. And then, boom, LSU was right down the field. Right. Pull to within took, three, and you're like, here we go. We're back, 28-25. Well, you know what and LSU then, showed last night? LSU showed last night that they have a chin of iron. Yeah. They showed last night that you can hit them with your best shot, and they just keep coming. They're, the guy, they're like Marvin Hagler against Thomas Hearns when Marvin Hagler started walking through Thomas Hearns' right hand and basically said, okay, that's, that's the best you got. Those right hands, everybody thought, we're going to stick me. I'm walking right through. And then the fight was over in three rounds. An iron chin, like... When Al Bernstein called the fight, and he said, Hagler started to walk through those right hands. And the next thing you know, uh, Thomas Hitman Hitman Hurts was toast. And that basically was Clemson last night. Might be because their head coach has an iron chin himself, Ed Orgeron. Maybe. Maybe You're not getting a punch past him. Go Tigers. Maybe... It's just that they bowed their neck, and Clemson was not used to that because they haven't played anybody like that. Not even Ohio State. Because Ohio State just didn't have that. They have weapons, but they didn't have a quarterback who could make those kind of throws and could make those kind of side adjustments and could pick apart a defense that way and had an offensive scheme and design uh, that was that diversified with that much talent all over the field. And they just... Once they got in their comfort zone, there's just no way they were being beaten. And I think it almost looked, Clemson almost, to me, on both sides of the ball, it seemed like they almost sensed that we've given them our best shot and it's not going to be good enough. And also, they stopped running the ball. I, I was really surprised that, you know, NTM wouldn't, I thought they'd try and wear him out a little bit. And, me you know, too. he'd have a carrier too and he'd come out of the game. He'd have a big run, and then then he'd come out of the game for a couple. It's like he was gassed. You know, after a 15, 20-yard or a 20-yard run, he'd come out for a couple. I'm like, get him on the field. Don't get me wrong, man. You know, kid doesn't have to carry the ball 40 times. Can he carry it 25 times? Got to keep Joe Burrow off the field, and he would have been the perfect piece to do it. I was confused as well. Even just to throw, he he can catch the football. Even just a couple two-yard passes where they're basically runs that they did against Ohio State as well. That was curious, and you have a first down, you run with DTN for four to five yards, you're starting to pick up momentum, then you have Trevor throw it twice, and he's 
overthrowing everybody, and it's fourth down. Also, period. though, very well covered. Very well covered. Uh, and the people LSU coming. defensive backfield did a great job, a tremendous job. Uh, because early on, some of the throws that were completed, coverage was very good. A couple of very close interference calls against LSU. And then remember, you know, LSU, a couple of uh, clubs and drives, like 45 yards LSU penalties. There's only so much you can nitpick if you're uh, looking for the, the bright parts of the game for Clemson. They were the best team. That's the it. entire season. And they proved last night that they were without a doubt, unequivocal, without question, not only the best team in the country this year, but one of the great teams of all time and arguably the greatest single season any team has ever put together. Clearly the, the greatest single season by any NCAA quarterback I've ever seen. And I've seen plenty. It's going to be quite the parade on Saturday. We can at least say that. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now to the National Football League. We don't have to break down all four games at this point. I don't think people would be as excited as we are about that because we haven't talked about them yet. But I do want to hit on your favorite team, obviously, if we had to pick one of the four games to talk about the Baltimore Ravens falling at home to the Tennessee Titans. Well, let's not talk about this too much because we <laughs> I don't want to. Good. No, but, That's fine. Uh, let, we'll, we'll, we will talk about it, but we have to make sure we save time for the best game oh, absolutely. Uh, of the weekend. But what you saw on Saturday night to me was surprising, uh, out of character, bad time to play your worst game of the year, or certainly your worst game in 12 weeks because they won 12 straight. You know, their two worst games were obviously against Cleveland. Uh, which is a bad loss um, early on in the season. And I just thought that they never looked right. And I'm not blaming it on Rust. Absolutely not. I had no problems or issues with the rest the last week of the season. I think you need it. I think it's important, especially in this sport. It was a Murphy's Law kind of deal. Every little thing they did wrong blew up in their face. The ball was never out of his hand quick all night. He was uncomfortable in the pocket. He was very hesitant. He was The ball came out late. You saw a lot of times he didn't receivers out of the break. He was high. He was wide. Uh, he didn't feel the pressure well. He didn't get away from pressure well. Stayed in the pocket too long. The two fourth and ones and the, the, the two Lamar turnovers resulted in 28 points. All their points. Yep. Perfect storm. Lamar showed... As much as I dig him, as much as we all love the season he had, as much as we all want to castigate the Bill Polians of the world for saying what they said about him, what he showed was he doesn't belong in that room. There's a room for the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and that room has got three seats in it. It's got a table, it's got three seats. And those three seats go to Patty Mahomes, they go to Aaron Rodgers, and they go to Russell Wilson. And nobody else gets in the room. One young guy, one guy who just completed his eighth year, and one old guy. So you got one of each. One new, one medium, one old. They all belong in the room. Aaron Rodgers, you weren't sure anymore if he belonged in the room. He proved Sunday night, he still got a seat at that table. Russell Wilson proves it all the time. And Patty Mahomes is, is Patty Mahomes. Um, there's no room there for Lamar Johnson yet. He's still got to prove to us that when all you have is him dropping back to throw, that he can beat you. And he hasn't proven that yet. And he didn't come close. Granted, it's only his second year. Peyton Manning comparison, horrible start in the postseason. Agreed. But Peyton Manning could always throw the ball from the pocket and always beat you from the pocket. You didn't have to worry about Oh, boy, can Peyton Manning beat you throwing the ball? Let's see the way Peyton Manning was going to beat you. 
Here you have to wonder, is this guy going to be able to beat you from the pocket when all he can do is throw from the pocket because you don't have time to run or the run hasn't been effective or they've fallen behind, they've fallen behind, even though I thought they got away from the run far too quickly. I thought everybody panicked. I thought the coaching staff panicked. Uh, even at 28-12, what, what, what's the rush going for two? What's the rush going for two? Right. All right. You can get the two later on. Just take the one. Don't, I'm always don't break the momentum. You know, get your get your 28-13. Don't give them any momentum at all, and try and get the ball back in the three now. Um, it was shocking to me. I really thought they were going to the Super Bowl. It was incredibly disappointing because the weekend I ha- I could have had my week my weekend started with an Anthony Davis-less shellacking. Uh, of the maps in Dallas Friday night. It followed up with ripped jerseys a, a, in Dallas. <laughs> uh, it followed up with a stunning Syracuse win. All right. In Virginia, on the road. OT. In Virginia. In OT. The new triplets, Joe Girard, Buddy Bayheim, and and and, 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 and Elijah Hughes. I certainly couldn't help triplets. you with the third names. <laughs> a stunning, a stunning win. And then at the same time, I've got the, Lakers, a LeBronless and AD-less Lakers, flummoxing. Okay, OKC and OKC the next night. Well, man, I'm gonna have a hell, I'm gonna have a sports weekend. And lo and behold, the Ravens spit the bit and play really uh, one of their three worst games of the year at the worst possible time. And the other thing that's disheartening is, you know, no matter how you are in the future, there's only a few regular seasons like this. You go 13 and 3, 12 and 4, it's hard to go 14 and 2. No matter how good you are. And they did it against a tough schedule. 14 and 2 with everything going through their building, and they get a six seed in the second round. And it's one and done. It was very, as you mentioned, it, it was just a, an uncharacteristic looking Ravens team on both sides of the ball. Not being able to find an answer for Derrick Henry running for 195 yards. Titans not having to put the ball into Ryan Tannehill's hands, and when they do, he delivered each time. Need a big pass here on a third down. Got it. He's been doing that all postseason, shockingly enough. 88 yards. Hasn't thrown for over 100 yards in either playoff game. They don't need him to. And you love to see on the stats that 500-plus total yards from Lamar Jackson. Incredible. But what you don't love to see is the 59 for the pass attempts. You don't like to see that for anyone. There's not one quarterback you would look and see 59 and go, oh, that's good. No. You know, Tom Brady throwing it 150 times in a Super Bowl, losing to Nick Foles. You know, like, it's not going to work. So, as you said, just the wrong time to play your worst game of the season. And it it was on both sides of the ball. It was the coaching decisions at some points, the play calling. It was just unfortunate to see. And as you say as well, these don't come around that often. That's the disappointing thing about it, is when you get into a season like this and you see what the team is capable of all season long, there comes a time you're going to have to capitalize on it. Unfortunately, it's, it's a tough league. It's a tough league. Ask Peyton Manning about going 0-3 and how, how his career was in general. These guys, the best of the best, don't get there every season. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to go 14-2. and two. Okay, the page. How many times the Patriots go fourteen and two in that division? As bad as it is, a couple times. They had the one undefeated season. What? How many fourteen and two seasons did they have? One, maybe two. It's not hard, yeah, man. Not a ton. It's hard. It's hard. Plain and simple. And they were dominant. And they played an incredibly difficult schedule. They kicked teams' asses. Good teams kicked them all over the field. And 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 you know won the close games too. They won every way you could win. And impressive, both sides of the ball, specials. Tough way to go down. Tough way to go down. You know, when, when, you, when you leave your best game in a locker room, playing simple. Very disappointing. So we'll see if Lamar Jackson continues to grow and if he makes improvement next year from the pocket. Because the other thing you have to remember about Lamar Jackson is you can't play this way forever. Because either the league will catch up to you or age will catch up to you much sooner than it will 
a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or a Dan Marino uh, or even you know, a quarterback who is more apt to spend his time in the pocket than running, scrambling, taking hits, etc. And then, of course, we transition to the quarterback who just finished his eighth year, who no matter how much he runs, no matter how much he scrambles, maybe it's because of his baseball skills, I don't know. He's the greatest slider in the history of the sport. How is it Russell Wilson never gets hit hard? How is that possible? It's incredible. He never gets hit. Even when he's in the pocket and ready to get blasted, all right, although he did take one sack uh, on a two-point conversion when he didn't see the guy coming. Uh, but that, that's pretty much the hardest I think I've ever seen him get hit. Which, by he the way, that sack not only hurt him, but it hurt a lot of the uh, gambling population, right. if you will, too. <laughs> but he, he is an extraordinary quarterback. He and Rodgers put out a show. Uh, that was a brilliantly played game by both of them. It was a shame that one of them had to lose, but they showed that they are clearly uh, you know, two of the three best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Wilson bringing his team back, great throw after great throw on the run, buying time, and Rodgers really turning back the clock and making throws that we've only seen him make, the throw he made on third down. What do the great quarterbacks do? They don't turn it over, and when it comes to crunch time and they got a chance to finish the game, they finish the game. They don't give you that chance for that last drive, and he didn't give Wilson the ball back. That third down throw he made down the field to Adams was just one of the great throws you'll see in your football life. Absolutely picture perfect with very little room on a line, but eminently and easily catchable. Just a beautiful flight by an all-time quarterback. And then the next third down play to Graham, where Graham really made a good catch. It was a tough catch. He was down low. I went down and got it. And whether you whether you got the first down or not, we never, we never really saw an angle um, that was telltale. And look, if you're going to get the first down, it's fourth and six inches. So I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, Seattle got screwed. But it, it was vintage Rodgers, under control, making plays, not too much with the legs anymore, uh, like the old days, but really playing a controlled game, finding everybody but principally one guy over and above all his one go-to guy and, you know, some Jimmy Graham mixed in and, you know, again, Russell Wilson, just being Russell Wilson, doing anything and everything he can to will his team to the finish line. And he just, he didn't get that last possession. Well, unfortunately for them too, they only scored three points in the first half and it was too much to overcome in the second. I think they had to go punch for punch with Rogers who comes out right away and scores. Here we go. It was kind of like he was baiting us all season. You know, we kept saying, what's going on with Rodgers? He's, he's okay some games. He's, he's mediocre other games. They're, they're struggling to beat the Lions with some bum behind a quarterback. What's going on with Rodgers? And he's just kind of been sitting back in the weeds this whole time. Like, yep, keep talking your ish. <laughs> when it comes crunch time, let's see what we all have to say. And every big throw he needed to make. Not only did he make them, but he, he almost made them highlight real worthy every time. And it's unfortunate for the Seahawks. Their, their running game just got destroyed with injuries. Having to bring Marshawn Lynch back from his couch still got a little bit, but you can only ask for so much short yardage situations. I say every time he scores now from the two or the one yard line, he should go over and slap Pete Carroll across the face for not giving him the ball against the New England Patriots because he's still scoring with ease from the one. It's not even a question. You, you, just, you just look and see how much time they're going to take off the clock before he's able to barrel through three people and get in the end zone. It's unbelievable. But you don't have the sustained, you know, we'll be able to roll off 10 yards and then maybe get 12. And there, there's has to be some points throughout Russell Wilson's tenure with the Seahawks where he just looks to the sidelines and says, really? He's scrambling for his life. you got to look at the offensive line and say, really, guys, the defense is, is a shell of what it was when they won the Super Bowl. He's got to look at them after Aaron Rodgers tears them up. Really, guys, just give me a chance, man. Put the pieces around me. 
that's going to give me a chance because he'll always yeah, all, all, eventually all get you back all, into the game. All, all I'm drafting are offensive and defensive Absolutely. Line. Absolutely. Because both sides of the ball, they were, they were, I don't want to say dominated, but they have no advantage on either side. And you're playing the Packers. You're not playing a vaunted line on That's exactly side. right. So exactly right. There's, there's points where he's got to just throw his hands up in the air and say, there's only so much I can do. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It was Aaron Rodgers' day. He didn't make any mistakes, and the Packers win and move on to face the 49ers. Titans will face the Kansas City Chiefs, who won. It wasn't a surprising fashion. It wasn't surprising that they won. It was a surprising fashion you, of how they had you, to You win. had to be shocked, though, at 24. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. It was a surprising now, way of how they did Let's get like to the two game. big decisions by Bill O'Brien and that game. Fourth and a foot. Now, first of all, I thought he had the first down. They never even got a measurement on that play, which was shocking to I'm me. I'm surprised they didn't get one. On he that. wasted a timeout. Why don't you ask for a measurement during the timeout? Right. And then since you asked for the timeout. I thought that's what he called it for. The timeout, what, what are you go doing? Go for it. Go for it. It's fourth and a foot. It's the Kansas City defense. Go for it. Let your guys sneak it. Hey, look, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. You think that field goal is going to be the difference? And then, after they score in six seconds, ten insults injury, you, you show a total lack of consistency. You don't go for a fourth and a foot at 21 nothing, but to try to get the momentum back at 24-7, you fake a punt at your own 35 yard. Tell me it isn't so. Yikes. Tell me it isn't so. <laughs> and then and people say, oh, well, you know, they were snowball going down. Well, first of all, what followed, what followed next? Well, what followed next was obviously a touchdown in four seconds. And 12 seconds later, a fumbled kickoff. Well, if you don't fake the punt, none of that happens. None of that happens. You kick the ball. And they start down 24-7 for whatever. And maybe they go and they make it 24-14, seven, eight plays later, six plays later. But they don't score in two plays and, and kick it to your guy and fumble. Now, I, I go for the, you know, I never go for the field. So who knows what changes? But, you know, when you change one factor in the equation, the entire equation changes. I don't care what anybody says. Right. So don't tell me if they're going to steamroll them. Anyway, they might have steamrolled them. But we don't know what would have happened. We don't know what happened if it's 28 nothing. We don't know what happened if it's 24-7 with a punt. We don't know. Because chances are the fumble wouldn't happen. And they don't have the ball at your 40-yard line. It's just an idiot. It, it was bad. And it's an idiot. It's almost like the punt was to make up for not going for it on fourth and inches when maybe, like, Deshaun Watson came over, DeAndre Hopkins said, what are you doing, dude? We got to... We have our foot slightly on their throat. We have to put every amount of pressure down on it to and even have a shot. Post game press conference, we figured we're going to have to score fifty. Well, if we have to score fifty, why are you kicking a field goal? Yeah, you're not going to get to fifty that way. See the fake punt. You would even feel better about it if they had gone for it on fourth down and then yes. worked their way to score. Yes. And it's twenty-eight yes. nothing. Now you're trying for a fake punt. All right, let's go. Let's go. That's, we that's have to okay. score 50. That's okay. But at the if time it happened, it's like... did make it, and then fake the punt, that's okay. You have no feel for the game when you do that, because the moment, and I, I know momentum is kind of dumb in sports, but you could just get the feeling that, all right... Don't tell me there's no such here thing. Here they go. They're starting. Here they go. And then you do that, and the place goes crazy. They score again within seemingly two seconds. And you throw your hands up and go, here we go. And they didn't stop the rest of the game. You know, you know, it's amazing, too, for the defensive side when Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey run a, a, a sort of pick and roll amongst themselves. Where Mahomes, how, can th- how can three guys not cover him? Three. Sometimes there's five. He just rolls out of the pocket, and here goes Kelsey. All right, the first time it works, touchdown. Understandable. The second time. 
Here it goes again. And he's just waiting, 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 waiting. All right, there's a window. Flips it in. Touchdown again. Then he does it a third time. There's six, seven Texans standing in that area. Two of you take Mahomes. Five of you take Kelsey. That's the only guy he's going to throw it to. Or he's going to keep it and run. What are you doing? They're pitches. They're flips. They're laterals. Dives. Whatever. It's backyard football. I mean, you got to be kidding. He's standing there amongst three guys. The big white guy. He's got the big gloves and shoes. And the beard. Standing on the goal line. One guy on each side and one guy behind him. Put a guy on him. My God. Three times. Why are you behind him? Oh, man. I I, I couldn't believe. You know, once, okay. And even that is like, I mean, you've seen this throughout the entire season. Y'all should be ready for it. But then the other ones, there's six Texans just standing watching him. Like, wow, look at Patty Mahomes. I would have made Bill O'Brien walk. But the owner loves him. Or the owner's son loves him. All right, let's pick these games. Who you got? Let's pick these games. I'm rooting, number one, I'm rooting very hard for Greenback. But I can't get away from what I saw when they played them earlier in the season. It was awful. It was unwatchable. It was ugly. They absolutely positively got annihilated. And it looked like, you know, the freshman playing the varsity. San Francisco looked bigger, stronger, faster. They so physically dominated the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were on Rodgers before he was back to his finishing his drop. You saw the game. You know how long that was. Was it 37 to 8? Something 30, like 38 to 7? It was awful. It's never a game. I'm hoping it's not going to be that bad uh, and that a Packer defense can throw some stuff at Jimmy G and uh, Rodgers. Well, they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to run the ball. And Minnesota could not run the ball at all, as you know. So they're going to have to score some points. I am hoping against hope that the Packers can find a way, but I I find it very difficult other than a Jimmy G implosion that it's not going to be San Francisco coming out of the NFC. And I mean, how do you pick against Kansas City? How, how, you're going to tell me that with Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback, this team's going to beat the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Chiefs on the road? I'm sorry, I just... I know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. But a third time, I just can't buy it. I just can't buy it. I just cannot buy it. It's going to be Kansas City, my preseason prediction against San Francisco, not my preseason prediction. In fact, my preseason prediction, I believe, on our show, for being the most overrated team in, in the National Football It's amazing that we're going to have two teams in both championship games who try very hard to make sure that their quarterback doesn't have to throw the football in 2020. (laughs) The Titans want to do everything they can to make sure Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to throw it 40 times. The 49ers do everything they can. 20. 49ers do the same. They want their quarterbacks to do the right thing when they need to. Don't turn the ball over. Hand the ball off correctly and just keep us going. We're bound to score a couple of times because of our schemes. Just don't make any mistakes. And it's amazing we're seeing that in 2020. We're on the other side. Patty Mahomes is just throwing it all over the world. Just give me the ball and start running. I'll find you. Aaron Rodgers is the same way. Just start running. With with that in mind, like we said about the Ravens, 14 and 2, road goes through Baltimore. As good as Patty Mahomes is, and he's going to be, he's great. He's great. And you figure he's going to be this way for a long, long time, as long as he stays healthy. You can't have a better chance if you're Andy Reid to get back to the Super Bowl than this team 
with not a great defense, with you know a, a better defense than last year, which means what? <laughs> that they they pulled eleven guys off the street. I mean, you had to be a better defense than last year, but clearly, you know, clearly better. I mean, they're they're mediocre. They're they're a mediocre defense at best, but that's far better than last year. Now you're at home against a six seed. You don't get too many more chances like that to go to the Super Bowl. Right. Right. At home against the six seed when you were supposed to either have New England, all right, or the Ravens. Don't blow it. Or, or excuse me, both of them. Don't blow it. Them. And you and, and you get neither one of them. You're supposed to get New England at home, and then if you beat them, the Ravens on the road. Right. And you get Houston and Tennessee. Both of your building. Can't blow it. If you don't get there this year, Andy Reid. I'm not going to say you're not going to get there, but you're going to take a lot of heat for being Andy Reid. And I love Andy Reid. He's one of my favorite coaches. I think he takes too much heat. Uh, but if he loses this one, I hope it's not because everybody said Andy Reid couldn't get it done. But his quarterback throws four interceptions, or, you know, they, they just pull a stinker, uh, you know, and he, he doesn't have the blame, uh, but he'll probably get blamed anyway. But I, I don't know how they're not going. And, I mean, do you give Green Bay a chance? You give them a chance because of Aaron Rodgers and what he could possibly do with the offense, but this is an incredibly tough matchup. And because they have Jimmy, and because they have Jimmy G. Right. Because the quarterback is better on your team. Normally you like that advantage, but the 49ers have proven that with Kyle Shanahan doing his thing, they obviously have their fingers crossed that it's not going to be a similar result to when he was doing his thing with the Falcons, as we remember. <laughs> fingers crossed incredibly hard for that. That defense has been great. The offense has been just consistent, consistently good on both sides of the football. If they just play consistent on both sides like they've been doing all season, they have to be incredibly confident that they're going to win this football game that they're going to handle Aaron Rodgers so he doesn't throw for 28 points or more. They can keep the game close. And you're looking at scoring maybe 24 points. Will either one of these games be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter? I could see the Packers 49ers game being one possession. I, I think the Chiefs kind of getting cold water dropped on them last week in the first half might come out a little bit different. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, what do we know? This has been a wild playoffs to this point. Why should things change? But if I had to put money on it, spreads are seven and a half both ways, by the way, folks. Chiefs and 49ers, surprisingly. Seven and a half against Aaron Rodgers. I think the Chiefs will finally do it and Andy Reid will get back to the Super Bowl and Mike Vrabel won't have to cut off his penis, which I'm sure he's very excited about. Not that he would anyway, but that's been the joke after he said he'll do that in order to win a Super Bowl. Well, we're getting closer. <laughs> and I think... Let's put that talk to Rash. My, my heart is saying Packers... I'd love to see that matchup, Chiefs-Packers, and I'm sure the NFL would too. You know, going uh, going back to uh, a rematch. your childhood, uh, Super Bowl one. How, how, how ironic, you know, ironic. the 100th year of the NFL that our Super Bowl matchup would be a rematch for the first Super Bowl. It'd be great. But it wouldn't be surprising to see the 49ers pull it out. So we agree. Quickly on the baseball before we run, folks, as I'm sure you know by now, it's all bad news in terms of what's transpired with the game. It's great news that uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred has come down with an iron fist and put the hammer on Jeff Lunau and the hammer on the phony A.J. Hinch uh, who stood there in front of the press and said, name names, it's not going on. Caught red-handed, uh, suspended for the year without pay, and Jim Crane passed the bucket, fired them both. And then with the next hammer due to drop, the, the, really the ringleader in two different major league teams. Uh, the former bench coach, who sounds like he was at the heart of the Houston fiasco, and then took his cheating ways to Boston and won a world championship there. Mr. Cora is no more. 
we know his suspension was coming, uh, but he didn't wait for it. The Bosons didn't wait for it. They mutually agreed to part waves before he got suspended. Mutually agreed. What will be at least a year, if not double, because he's cheated in two places. He was the leader of the pack in Houston. They won a world championship. And then he took the same element, not to the same degree of uh, electronic surveillance, electronic usage, but certainly plenty of it. After they were already on notice of the Apple Watch, Cora is a cheap dog. Get him out. Suspend him for two years. I don't want to see his face anymore, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. He's a liar. He's a nice guy, maybe. Friend of the program, not this program. Liar, cheat, get out. Do you think it was harsh enough, the punishment for the Astros? Um, Which involves $5 million. Now, remember, only to the extent that it was the maximum financial punishment allowed by the Constitution. Right. So I, I wanted $10 million, and as well, further along, I was calling for 50 But the Constitution only allowed 5 I would have taken their first and second round picks away for five years, not two years. Uh, so I would have made it even worse than it was. I can live with what it was, however. The only thing I contemplated as far as making it harsher would be to take away the World Series title from which they're never gonna the Astros, which they don't do. We only see that in the NCAA for tournaments. It's going to be somewhat unfortunate, I guess, that you know, we all know about the Black Sox scandal and that World Series. You don't have to know anybody on the team. I know you were a bat boy back then for the White Sox. You could probably name me all the players, but you know what happened. So, Joe. <laughs> you know what happened. And that's something that any baseball fan knows about. That World Series, they win. No. 70 years from now, when I'm hosting this show with somebody else, Dear God, I'd be 100 years old. <laughs> People are going to maybe forget about it, at least on paper. I don't know if you could put an asterisk or what you would like to do, but I think if they really wanted to be harsh, you'd take away the World Series because that not only hurts the team itself, but it hurts the paying customers and the fans. Because if you told fans, listen, we're going to have this guy come in. He's going to do these things with the replay monitors. We're going to bang on a trash can. We're going to do all these sorts of things to figure out what's coming. But we're going to win the World Series in doing it. Anyone would take that in a heartbeat to get their team to win a World Series in the sense of, you know, the Astros. This is their only World Series. This is it. The only right. time the franchise has ever won. For Boston, you know, they had been there before and done that. If you asked them that in 2004, they might play a different tune. I think that's how you really, really could have put your foot down on this situation. And Take the away the World thing, Series title. Take the banners down, be, erase it. It's vacated. Which we know, which we knew wasn't going to happen. No, they don't. The have, they don't have the balls to do that because Manfred is is Manfred made this decision as a business. You're not going to piss off the owners. You make the decision as a business. Well, I He's think, not wrong I for doing it. Has, it has more clout if you take away guys' jobs. True. True. We'll see if the Astros miss those guys. You know, Luno is highly regarded as a GM. It's not a question of missing them. It's a a question of if I do it, I'm going to lose my job. If I I do it and I get caught, I'm not going to get paid. It's huge. Take that title away, man. That that makes it. That's a whole different ballgame. You're still still getting paid. On top of that. Fire the guys. Take away the title. Don't ever do it again. Oh, everybody was doing it. Well, you got caught. Not to the extent that they were. You got caught. And, you know, Luno will probably never get another GM job. I don't know if Hinch will manage again. Might get a front office kid. I don't know. He's very, he's very highly, you know, well thought of and highly liked. But, you know, I mean, like I said, he stood right there in front of the press and, and said, you know, where, what are your sources? It's not going on. So he just, he just lied. So no lie. And Cora, Cora's just, you know, he's just, he's as phony as the day is long. 
He just couldn't be a bigger lion sack. Care how nice a guy is. He's a freaking phony. It's ridiculous. Did it in two places. Did it win two world championships. So you get two years. At and least. you get out. At and least. the other really interesting part about this is you get two of the, the last two world champions now. Who's going to manage them? Right. <laughs> What's Bruce Bochy doing? Maybe he'll come back. You know? What's Buck Showalter doing? Uh, Mike, What's Dusty Mike Baker? Sosha. What's Dusty Baker doing? What's Mike Sosha doing? Yeah. Bring in an old steady hand. Bring in an old hired gun to bring some discipline back, some quality back. Knows how to talk to the media about it when asked all season, well, what have you done to... They'll say all the right things. Another thing the MLB commissioner said was to all the MLB teams and managers and coaches, don't talk about this. Keep quiet. Yeah, no Dodgers comments. Had a lot to, Dodgers had a lot to comment. But who did comment about it today? Pete Rose. Quote, wow. I bet on my team to win. That's what I did in a nutshell. I was wrong, but I didn't taint the game. I didn't try to steal any games. I never voted against my team. I bet on my team every night because that's the confidence that I had in my players, and I was wrong. But the Astros situation is a little different. It's a lot different, actually, and I think that's why the commissioner came down so hard. Cheated the game. Cheated the game and basically potentially altered the outcome. After I told you not to do it. I told you not to use that stuff. I told you not to do it. And I told you if it comes down again, I'm getting out the hammer. And AWP called for the sledgehammer, and that's what they got. And Cora, you're next, baby. Burn them all. Take the titles away, too. <laughs> sure, I'm a Yankees fan. I might be a little salty about it. But, again, 80 years down the road, this will all be forgotten about. It'll go into the, the bullet points of, yeah, there were steroids in the game in the 90s. There was cocaine in the game in the 80s. And, 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 and that'll be that. So, we haven't forgotten, the, haven't forgotten the Black Sox. Haven't forgotten the Black Sox, and we never will. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait. Hell of a week to talk about. More coming up, folks. Can't wait to be back with you. Enjoy your sports week. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am El Renato, a.k.a. White Plains. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>